If you have your Bible, you can turn to the Gospel according to Matthew. The Gospel according to Matthew. What we're going to do, is, as I already described, it's going to be a four-week look at the Incarnation, the coming of God to be man among us. And uh, in the beginning of Matthew, Matthew starts off by saying this. If you've already turned there, your version might read like this. The book of Genesis, the book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ, or in other translations, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Matthew starts off by jumping into the genealogy. Now, when I was growing up, I would come to the Gospel according to Matthew, or I'd come to other books of the Bible, and I would say to my dad, Dad, it's okay if I just skip over the greeting, right? Can I just like get past some of this informational stuff and get right down into the part where um, you know, Paul's really starting to describe how we're to live, or in this particular text, like let's get into the meat of the story. But what we find here is that Matthew starts with the genealogy. And I, I want to read it and kind of just go, hey, well, I understand he's got relatives, we all do. Good, let's skip that and let's just jump down into verse 18. You know, it says in verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way and it, the story begins and I kind of want to get to there, but Matthew doesn't. Do you ever ask yourself the question, why would Matthew want us to start here? Why does Matthew want us to start with, if you look down in verse 17, with knowing that there are 14 generations between Abraham and David, 14 generations between David and Babylon, 14 generations between Babylon and Jesus. Why? Let me suggest a reason. I think the reason is that starting with the origin or the genesis of Jesus suggests that Jesus requires all of us to revisit the original origins of man. It requires us to go back to the beginning. See, Matthew starts in a similar way to the book of John. The book of John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to say that that Word was life. Beginnings. Origins. And he's directing us back. For us to fully understand the Incarnation, I think we have to understand it in light of creation. There's a quote that says this, Creation is the subject of the opening line of Matthew's Gospel, suggesting that the very destiny of God's creation is at stake in the life of this Jesus, the Messiah. The whole story hinges on Jesus. If you, if you think about it, the Incarnation indicates, really, that the world is storied. That there's this one dramatic, grand narrative that Jesus is the hinge point and the focal point to this story. And the story has so many new beginnings, so many genesis, so many new births. Let me give you a couple examples of them. First of all, there is the beginning or the birth of creation. Everything that we see was created, as the Scriptures say, out of nothing. That God was, and is, and always will be, that God created everything we see and imagine from nothing. Then we see 
as we read through the account in the Old Testament, that there was the birth of nations, the birth of people groups, the birth of languages. We come to the Advent season and we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We're going to focus over these weeks on his birth. What happened? Why did it happen? What was its importance? That birth then allows the story to keep moving forward. We begin to see all these other things, but we come to this death that happens so that new life is birthed out of the tomb. What was dead is now alive, and there's this birth that has taken place, this new beginning, this genesis again, this continuation of what was. And we have again in Advent this longing for Jesus coming again when we will see another birth, the birth of a new heavens and a new earth. The story is also told that for all of us who play a part in this narrative, that actually believe that Jesus is the focal point or the hinge point of the whole story, it says of us that we are born again. There's this perpetual story of origins, of genesis, of new beginnings. See, Matthew believes that the story of Jesus is the story of a new creation. As I described at the beginning, uh, before we lit the candle, our hope over the next, this week and then the next three weeks, is really to look at this incarnation and to specifically take a snapshot at the birth of Jesus. We're going to center on, how does the incarnation change our images of Christmas? See, all of us have this unique perspective or this unique image in our mind of the narrative scene of Jesus being born, of the nativity. How has our image been changed by history and tradition? And can we look at it from a new and fresh image? We're going to look at the perspective of the incarnation. How does the incarnation change our perspective? How, do, how can we look at it from a new angle? How can we understand that all of us carry a unique perspective of the birth and then looking at the future? As I described, the Advent is something that happened, is happening, and will happen. It's a past, present, and future reality. And so we're going to ask the question, how does the Incarnation really change our images, our perspective, and our future? But I think in order for us to really do that, in order for us to ask ourselves those questions and really begin to dive into it, we have to first ask, how does the Incarnation change us? How does the Incarnation change you? So I think a lot of times the Incarnation gets reduced. The coming of Jesus, His life, either gets reduced to the birth, where we talk about it at Christmas, and we describe it, and we have fun, and we kind of keep it separate from His whole life. We keep it separate from all of His works and all of the amazing things He did because we focus so much attention on the birth. Or... We skip to kind of the end where we go, all right, it's, the focus is on the death and resurrection of Jesus, and we miss the rest of the story. And I think to focus on either of those alone really fails to do justice to the whole gospel, the good news of Jesus. And so the incarnation is something that if we understand it correctly, begins to change us. Let me read you one more quote. It says this, The incarnation properly understood means that Jesus' person, 
and work cannot be separated because Jesus saves by making us participants in a new way of life. In other words, the incarnation demands a response. It requires our participation. We can't hear of the story of Jesus' coming, of Him being with us, As Matthew says, Emmanuel, he gives him that name that he is with us. That he lives this life, all of the works and the miracles and the wonders and then the death and resurrection. And recognizing that that story continues and we are a part of it. We can't know that story and not have it require a response on our part. Now when we think of the Christmas time, often one of our initial responses is a gift. We think Christmas, we think respond, we think gift. That's often the way our culture has communicated. This morning, we'll, we'll go with that for a moment. When we think of Christmas and we think of gifts, one of the gifts I think that is often thought of is the gift of the Magi. We don't know how many Magi there were, we just know that there were three gifts that were given, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and these gifts came, and we think that they were the main ones that gave gifts, but I think we fail to recognize that when it came to the birth of Jesus, when it comes to the incarnation, all of us are required to respond at some level. We're all required to bring a gift. Let me give you some examples of gifts that were brought at the birth of Jesus. You have Mary. Mary brought her whole life as a gift. She brought nine, ten months of time as a gift. She brought pain. She brought swelling. She brought all of this to Jesus and offered it as a gift. Joseph. Joseph offered this ability to be okay with inconvenience. It probably wasn't in the plans for Joseph. He might have had kind of this whole idea charted out for him and Mary. Oh man, it's going to be amazing. We'll get married. This is kind of how the script will go. I'll have my own carpentry business someday. It will be awesome. Who knows what his plans were? But he was willing to change him. And he said, you know what? I sacrifice and give you the gift of my future. I give you the gift of my dreams, my plans. The other thing he gave up that we might not think of very often is he was willing to give up his name. I mean, there's an understanding that your name is really important, significant. The Bible talks about a name is more valuable than gold. But his name changed at that point. He was known as the father of Jesus, the illegitimate child. He was known as bringing up this son that was kind of his, but not really his. That there was a whole scandal involved with it. And he gave up his name. Others brought the gift of presence or community that people surrounded this couple and probably loved and supported and cared for. The shepherds brought gifts of praise and adoration. I mean, the list could go on and on. We could 
talk about what each and every person brought to the table, but the question is this, what does the incarnation require of you? What does it require of you? If you believe you're a part of this story, then there should be a response or a gift that's brought. Something that's required. And so this morning, what we want to do to start off our time is to encourage you to respond. Now often, when you do a particular series, you would go for the whole four weeks and then say, in light of all of this, respond. We're going to flip the script a little bit and say, this birth of Jesus, the incarnation of God becoming man, requires a response. Let's respond up front. Then let's talk about how this really changes us, and then let's lean into those responses in the future. So, all of you, hopefully, on your chair, found one of these three-by-five cards cut up. You should all have a sheet of paper. This is intended for you to respond on it. Here's the goal for the next few moments. We want you to use this card to either... You can be as creative or uncreative as you want. Draw a picture, write a word, put down a sentence, say a prayer, write a poem. Whatever it is you need to do to express what you want to offer as a gift to Jesus. That when the Magi came, they came with what they had and they said, this is what I have and so this is what I offer. And it's the same kind of response for us. So what we're going to do is we're going to give us time over the next few moments to to consider what is it that God is saying to you? How is it that you're supposed to respond to the truth of the Incarnation? So you'll have time. There'll be some songs happening. There'll be a time where we'll have quiet. We'll, We'll just open the door for you to be able to hear from God, to write something down. And then we're going to encourage you at some point over the next little while as we sing to come up And just drop off your sheet of paper at one of these two tables. Now, don't put your name on it, because the goal is for us to be able to use these as a representation at the end of our offering or our gift at the birth of Christ. Let me give you a couple examples of what God might be calling you to do in response. It could be that God is asking you, in light of the Incarnation, to mend a broken relationship. Maybe there's someone that God wants you to, to think through and say, you know, I, God, I'm going to offer this relationship to you. I'm going to do what it takes to, at least on my part, to mend that. Or it could be um, participating in an act of giving. That I want to sacrifice and I want to find a way to do something in the life of someone else encouraging, inspiring, challenging them, and I'm going to commit that as an offering. Or it could be the gift of presence. Being present with your family or with your friends or with people that are close to you over this season. It seems to me that often this time of year can be one in which we either allow the end of the year deadlines to hit where we're always trying to catch up with work and getting it done before we move on to the next year. Or, we just allow the busyness of the holiday season 
to start sapping us of energy and we find ourselves not present with one another. In the incarnation, part of the magnificence of it was just presence. That he came to be with us. I could go on and on and on, but the point isn't what I have on my sheet. The point is what God is saying to you. And so we want to challenge you over these next few moments. Come up with something that God is asking you to respond to. We'll take a time for prayer. We'll worship and and just at some point, drop them off at the front and as a, an offering or a gift to the king. Let's pray.